0: Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on May 10th, uh, 2018. An interesting story. Actually, I I changed what I was going to do today's News and Views on. Um, I had made a selection last night before I went to bed. I woke up and uh, looked at today's emails, and this article was in there from... Uh, Mr. Uh KH will just call him. And uh, I thought, no, this one goes to the top of the list. I've got to do I've got to do the news and views on this. Anyway, before I get to that, I want to remind everybody, uh all the members that are listening, we do have a members vid chat tomorrow at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time as usual. I will be there early for pre-chat conversation and banter. I've already got one really good question uh, from one of our members in Australia that I'm really kind of itching to get to. So anyway, um, then I want to thank everybody again this last week. You have really been scooping out and scooping up some really good Articles, geopolitics, politics, technology—it it, it has blown my mind, and it's going to be one of those weekends where I'm going to have some difficulty preparing uh, for the scheduled blogs for the coming week. Anyway, we've got some—we've got an interesting story here. Um, it is from RT. The story is titled, Time to Take Fate into Its Own Hands. Europe Can't Rely on U.S. Protection Anymore, says Merkel. All right. Now, the background to this here, I think, is, is very interesting. A few months ago, um, around December of last year, President Trump's administration released its strategic vision, I don't know what else you could call it, a kind of a plan. And if you read the plan carefully, it appears to me that they are admitting that the world is turning multipolar and somehow the United States has to transition to it. And in fact, I've been, you know, I've been advocating the idea that just like Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump is a deep state candidate, although from a very different faction of the deep state in the United States. I look, uh, I looked at Hillary Clinton as more of a kind of a globalist and I look at Donald Trump as more of a representative of this strategic reassessment that has gone on in the United States. So his policies in that sense... Are consistent with the people backing him, which has largely been the military. It's it's realizing we cannot have a unipolar world, but the problem is how to translate that into action. And of course, this has been the problem. We're watching as if we if you really stop and think about it, we're watching the transition happen because most of the day-to-day gr- boots-on-the-ground diplomacy dealing with North Korea are being conducted by China, South Korea, North Korea, and Japan. As we've seen, the United States has kept itself carefully out of view. Uh, it's been involved, but, but the day-to-day operations have been done by other countries. So that brings us to the Iran deal. As you probably already know, the United States pulled out of the Iran deal unilaterally. And I'm one of those that thought that, number one, and and here again, we're dealing with the the confusion that normally comes with geopolitics. I'm one of those that, number one, thought the Iran deal was a bad deal. Number two, thought that President Obama, on the other hand, did a reasonable job resisting the pressures of the military to get further involved with that country. So, I, you know, I'm in an ambiguous position. So I don't think uh, withdrawing from the deal is all that bad. I don't trust the Iranians any more than I trust the outhouse of Saud, or for that matter, Tel Aviv. Okay, so, so in other words, I'm, I'm in this ambiguous position regarding the Iran deal. But the one of the consequences of pulling out of that deal has been that again it's sending in my opinion the wrong diplomatic message to our significant allies and that message is the United States is not as the Russians put it not agreement capable it will change on a dime and you cannot rely on any any promises it makes And that's a very, very serious situation. And that Russian word, you can go online and read the Sakers column about the Russian assessment of the United States as being not agreement capable. In the Russian, that is a very, very strong uh, word, and it's a very strong moral indictment. So there's going to be some diplomatic fallout from this. And here we are a couple of days later. And Chancellor Merkel is saying this. I have been predicting for a very long time that U.S. unipolarism, regardless of what administration is in office, is going to push Europe to its own independent path regarding foreign policy and defense affairs. Now, Merkel has made statements like this before, but I want you to listen in particular at the beginning of this article to the context in which she makes them. Then I'm going to jump immediately to a second article about uh, that was also ran on, e- on RT, and this article is titled Never Tell a Host What to Do, Top German Diplomat, school's new U.S. ambassador, all right, and then we're going to, I'm going to go into some speculation as to what all of this means. So here's the first article. Listen especially to the opening paragraphs here. Quote, Europe can no longer count on the U.S. in defense and must take matters into its own hands, German Chancellor Angela Merkel stated during a meeting with French President Emmanuel Macron who also said something should be done now notice immediately we have we have a typical german french thing the germans are saying we can no longer count on america we've got to do xyz and france is saying yeah something should be done <laughs> okay so in other words regardless of how you read read this here germany is still in the driver's seat so let me continue it's no longer a case that the United States will simply protect us, Merkel said in a speech honoring President Macron, who came to Aachen, that's a city in Germany (coughs) for you folks here in uh, Rio Linda who don't know (laughs) where anything in Europe is. Aachen is in Western Germany, close to the border of both Belgium and Holland. It's very close to the cities of Liège and Maastricht in Holland. So, in other words, this, this was the former capital of Charlemagne's empire. Okay, This is highly significant. Let me repeat this here. It's no longer the case that the United States will simply just protect us, Merkel said in a speech honoring President Macron, who came to Aachen to receive the prestigious Charlemagne Prize receiving a round of applause merkel stated rather europe needs to take its fate into its own hands that's the task for the future now note the words there she's she's basically saying this is our goal this is what we're doing <laughs> okay So, in other words, she's announced an agenda. This is not, in other words, in the subjunctive mood. It's not, well, maybe we ought to think about this, but rather that's what we're going to shoot for. Continuing, Europe has to, quote, act together and speak with one voice, unquote, she said, as cited by Germany's Die Welt newspaper. But let's be honest. Europe is still in its infancy with regard to a common foreign policy. Speaking after Merkel, Macron said, We should not be waiting. We must do something right now. Let us not be weak, added the French president. I'm skipping a little bit now. The German chancellor, who secured her fourth term earlier this year, reiterated that Europeans, quote, must really take our destiny into our own hands, Of course, in friendship with the United States, in friendship with Great Britain, with good neighborly relations wherever possible, and also with Russia and other countries. Now, again, let me stop, because I've said all along that the sanctions against Russia hurt German business. So, in other words, the moment the United States started playing that game, it was beginning to push Germany, and therefore the rest of Europe in an independent direction. Again, this is not the Trump administration. This is not the Obama administration. This is a consequence of long-term foreign policy. And uh, Merkel is now finally just coming right out and saying that, you know, this is the direction we're going to go. She is finally acknowledging that there's got to be some sort of relationship with Russia. She has been openly a supporter of the sanctions while I suspect privately Uh, like much the rest of Europe, not terribly in favor. Now, let me, with that, go immediately to the second article from RT that's titled, Never Tell a Host What to Do, Top German Diplomat School's New U.S. Ambassador. And I just want to read a couple of things here on just how bad uh, American behavior is getting. I mean, what do you expect when you're conducting Geopolitical thermonuclear policy with Twitter statements <laughs> But anyway, let's continue Just hours after he was sworn in and the following breakdown of the Iran nuclear deal The new U.S. ambassador tweeted That German companies should wind down in Iran Before its economy is hit by sanctions U.S. sanctions will target critical sectors of Iran's economy, Grinnell said. German companies doing business in Iran should wind down operations immediately, unquote. The former German ambassador to the United States and the United Kingdom, Wolfgang Ischinger, advised the newly appointed diplomat against ordering a host country around. Quote, explain your own country's policies and lobby the host country, but never tell the host country what to do if you want to stay out of trouble, unquote, Ischinger tweeted. (laughs) Okay. A German industry group, BDI, said that they could not understand the reasoning behind the demand from Grinnell. Quote, German industry criticizes the extraterritorial application of sanctions as envisaged by the United States, unquote, a BDI statement said. All right, now what's all this add up to? Well, I've been predicting for years that Europe, led by Germany, would go its own way, both in terms of foreign policy and defense, simply because that's where the economic handwriting on the wall is. They need Russian energy. They need those big Asian markets, Germany especially, folks, because Germany's economy is largely an export-driven economy. And let's remember, it's, again, depending on who you consult, the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world. It's larger than Russia's on a smaller population base. So, you know, as I've pointed out many times before, we're back to the old kaiser Wilhelm problem. You've got an immensely productive, powerful economy, and a, a lack of strategic resources and a population base that's rather narrow to support it. So anyway, what I think we're seeing here is something very different, however, than prior statements by Angela Merkel or other European leaders because this has been done in a very symbolic way and that's the award of this Charlemagne Prize. The Charlemagne Prize is awarded by the city of Aachen itself to anybody in Europe that is contributing to European unification, all right? In other words, it's kind of like the no the Nobel Prize for Euro technocrats. All right, that's what it is for people that support European unification. So in other words, the symbolism of Merkel making these statements at the award of this prize to French President Macron is highly significant. I think what you're looking at here is probably these two leaders coordinated their statements beforehand and have agreed on certain broad policy measures vis-a-vis their respective nations' defense budgets and vis-a-vis further European military integration. Under Merkel, the German military has suffered so badly that right now it's almost non-existent. Um, It has few functioning ships, few functioning planes. Uh, Its tank fleets are not in the best of shape. So what I suspect this signal means that we have to watch out for is, number one, watch out for more announcements of French and German defense contractors either merging, like we saw with Rheinmetall and Nestor a few years back. Watch for more of that. Watch for the German government now over the next few years to begin to increase its defense spending to Cold War levels, if not beyond, and that's that's a key thing. Uh, thirdly, I think you're going to see some much more aggressive foreign policy moves out of Europe, but that's going to be slow and coming. Fourthly, in order for Europe to get its act together, if Merkel's Charlemagne plans are going to work, they are going to have to pay attention to the reaction against the immigration policies of Brussels. If it's going to work, they have to have Italy. They have to have Spain. They have to have Portugal and so on. And much more importantly, if it's going to work, they have to have Eastern Europe, which has been the most vocal against that policy which has been the most vocal in its support of, of, of American policy and which has been the most vocal against anglo Merkel. So <clears throat> I'm saying watch for some slow turns of, so to speak, domestic European policy. It's not going to happen overnight, but I suspect that they are going to try and do everything that they can to distance themselves from their previous policy decisions. So in other words, I think I think that this was a symbolic occasion, the Charlemagne Prize that was used because of that occasion as a symbolic occasion to send a message not only to the United States but to the rest of Europe. Now we've seen this kind of posturing from European leaders before. Yeah, we're going to we're going to increase our defense spending and so on and so forth. But now I think They realize that the unipolar era is over. American commitments, whether you agree with them or not, I don't agree. I did not agree with the Iran deal that President Obama worked out. However, pulling out of it the way that was done is, again, becoming part of that pattern now that American allies are seeing that America is increasingly unreliable. So I think this time these European leaders mean it. Again, if you read their statements carefully, it's clearly Germany in the driver's seat, not France. Uh, So you're going to see some policy changes, some budget changes, and so on and so forth in the coming years. So watch for them. That's it. Don't forget tomorrow, again, uh, members vid chat everybody. Uh, We have, like I said, we have already one, (laughs) one really good question that I'm itching to get to. So I hope to see everybody tomorrow. Keep sending the articles in. I want to thank you all for those. Thank you again for the donations and the support of the website. We'll see you on the flip side, and bye-bye, and God bless.